When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you tired of using Google Drive or Dropbox to send files to clients? Well, never get burned again with FilePass. I love and use FilePass exclusively for sending files to my clients. It's a cloud file sharing website specifically made by engineers for engineers. It's absolutely amazing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash FilePass to check out the full feature list and subscribe today. Never lose another dime to burned projects. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. One, two, three. Hello, and welcome back to the Mix of Music podcast. We got another awesome episode for you today. Uh, First off, a couple announcements. I'm officially moving. This is like the last time I'll be recording an episode in my studio here in Provo, Utah. I've loved Utah. I've loved Provo. It's been great building a business and working with artists in a city that's not like all about music. That's like not huge in the music scene. People are a lot more genuine. People are a lot more, how do you say, like need a lot more help, like very insecure because, you know, I, I guess everywhere people are insecure, but... It's been very interesting and it's helped my personal growth a lot. And I think I'm living proof that you can make a normal music business in a place where there's not a lot of music, where it's not like it's not L.A. or New York or it's not a huge city. Uh, I've been really blessed and grateful to be here. I love the opportunities that I've had here. I've been able to have a lot of great opportunities to work with a bunch of artists and work with a lot of remote artists as well. And just really grateful. And I wanted to say right now, as I move to LA, as this is the last, probably the last episode that I'm going to be recording in the studio here, when I move to LA, the podcast will start to have a lot more interviews. Not a lot more, probably the same amount. Like recently, the last five or so episodes has not been interviews because it's been Corona and, you know, people just not as much networking going on, not a lot of opportunities to meet people. But I have been reaching out to a lot of people on Instagram and on emails and through their websites or whatever. I'm really excited for LA because I'll be able to do a lot more interviews with really high quality, very, very informational and knowledgeable guests to take part and help teach you about mixing and about music production, everything, maybe even some business, right? Because I love that so much. But I'm really excited for the future. And there's a couple of companies that I'm talking to in the middle of talking to right now that I will probably start doing some giveaways with, that I will probably have an official sponsor for the show and, you know, stuff like that. So I'm really excited. I have gone out of my way to say no to previous offers for sponsorships because I haven't used their products or I don't want to use their products, or some PR issue where it's not in alignment with my brand. But for the next couple ones that I'm looking at and talking to right now, I'm so stoked, and I'm excited. I'm pretty sure y'all will be excited too. I can't. I don't want to say too much right now, but stay tuned for a lot more coming through. As always, I have this is on YouTube. This podcast. It's not just a podcast. It's on YouTube now too. Go out, go and check it out. Subscribe. DK Mixes. Just type in D E E K E I Mixes on YouTube. Check it out. Then you can actually see my face and see me talking into these podcasts instead of just listening, right? Or vice versa. If you're watching on YouTube, this is a podcast. 
you can turn off your phone, stop looking at my face, and just listen. And it's fun. Listen on your car ride back home. Don't use as much data, whatever it is, right? Really exciting stuff. Today, I wanted to talk about something very personal to me. And the title may have been kind of clickbaity, especially if I'm thinking what I'm going to name it. But it's very close to me. It's very sincere. Like It's very a big part of who I am and what I do. And I'm not trying to get emotional. I'm not trying to get like extra real and I'm not trying to cry or, you know, like whatever. Right. But I am trying to be as sincere about this as possible. This is not to make fun of anything. This is not to, you know, flex on anybody or anything like that. This is, this is something for me. When I was growing up, I think most of us, if you're listening to this and you do music, you listen to music, right? So almost everybody, even the people that aren't doing music, almost everybody growing up at some point in their life was influenced by music. And what I mean by that is the friends they picked, the clothes they wore, how they did their hair, you know, where they hung out, their attitude on life, sad, angry, happy. Especially, I feel like most people, teenage years are a very critical point in your life where you decide to grow up or not. And that's not in general, that's in specific aspects. By that point, you're already building habits, both good and bad, and you make a lot of decisions that will set you on a different trajectory for the rest of your life. Right now, if I make a decision, sure, my trajectory will change by the time I'm 60, but I've already picked a career, right? And maybe you haven't picked a career at the age, but my decisions led me to picking my career that I have now. When I was young, just like everybody else, I was very much influenced by music. I grew up heavily religious in my family. I'm Asian, and my mom is an Asian tiger mom, and we had music in the home. We were forced to play piano, yada, yada, whatever, right? But I never really practiced, never really got good at it. Still suck to this day. Still don't want to practice piano. (laughs) But um, something about music stuck out to me, and it's the idea that I love stories. I really love stories. I love movies. I like not so much. I don't like to read stories through books. But I love podcasts. I love business books. That's really weird. I know. I love stories. I love hearing people, like listening to people, hearing their stories, something about it, right? But the beautiful thing with music is that with stories, it takes a long time and it needs a problem. Usually the problem is something along the lines of someone needed to apologize and they're too prideful to apologize. If they apologize, the whole story would be over. It's usually revolved around that. Every movie is. Someone just apologized. Watch watch every movie from now on. Like someone apologized and the story plot would be totally different if there would exist, there would be a plot at all. And it takes time. Like you have to build it. You have to cause tension. And then there's a resolution and then ah, it feels good, right? But with music... Within 10 seconds, you can feel an emotion. When I was in middle school and high school, I don't know how because I have like really bad ADHD, but I was invited to like the once every other week or once a month, like Wider Horizons program where they pull you out of class for an hour and take you with the other gifted entitled students, (laughs) lol, but uh, with the other gifted students to do things that are not taught in class. And I remember one of these specific Wider Horizons classes that I took with about eight other students, it was about music. And it was a very wonderful class. We listened to, the idea was we were going to listen to music from different cultures, different countries, different languages that we didn't understand. Most of the music played were not European scales. So they're very microtonal if they had tones at all and definitely not English and definitely not familiar in any way, shape or form. They were very weird. Some of it was experimental. Some of it wasn't even cultural. It was just like experimental music. And the teacher asked us to get out a piece of paper and write down what you envision, what you see 
and what you feel. And every single song or collection of noises in some of the cases that the teacher presented, every single student wrote down and saw almost the same thing. For example, on music that we're not familiar with, on lyrics that we don't understand, we would all write down, this feels like a warm summer day walking along the beach. And sometimes it'd be like the details were slightly off, but most of the time, the majority of the students, of the eight students or so, said the same exact thing down to very weird details. Like, for example, going down to the beach and the detail that everybody caught was we were looking forward into the ocean not down the beach. We were looking into the ocean and watching the waves. And then the next song was like, there was, it was angry. And I felt like, I felt like I was at home and there was just tension in the home or, and then another one was like scary. And another one was, was peaceful. And another one, and like these images that everybody had was the same with music that again, nobody's familiar with. Nobody knows what's going on. It's not even music. Sometimes it was just so interesting to me that music doesn't take a plot and time to give someone an image and an emotion where a story does, a movie does, a TV show does, a podcast does, right? Music has been such a big part of my life. I'm very emotional. I bring the feminine energy to my house with my wife and I. My wife brings the masculine. I'm just teasing, but she's always the one telling me to stop crying when we're watching a movie because I'm, I'm so fast to cry when we're watching TV shows or movies together, right? I've, I've been very in tune with my emotions my entire life, sometimes to a fault. Sometimes I get heated and get too emotional and don't think logical enough. My dad has been a great balance for that because he's the opposite. He's too logical. He doesn't have a lot of emotions. Well, at least not the way that I see him and I feel them, but it's music that has been an influence on me, both good and bad. Music has been there for me. Music has not been there for me. Friends were made. Girlfriends were made. You know, a wife was made. You know, babies. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, music is absolutely an essential part of my life, as it probably is for you. And I decided when I was about 19, I wanted to be a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist because I've always been very outgoing and I've loved listening to people's stories and hearing, hearing them out. And I've always had this tendency for most of my life. I mean, there's obviously parts of my life that were very down, but I've had this tendency to be extra positive. Positivity is one of my Clifton strengths, which if you know what that means, you can hit me up and ask me what my five are, but don't worry about it. Um, positivity is definitely a strength of mine. So I wanted to be a psychiatrist. I thought I could help the world in a way where it's one-on-one, it's beautiful. And then one day, as I was thinking about what I want to do, and in my case, I was praying, right, and asking God what I wanted to do with my life. What would be the best thing for me to do? And as I sat there, I really had this big epiphany. I had this moment where I remember this specific moment. Most people will think, I don't want to be selfish. So if I want to have a family, I got to do a career that I might not enjoy 100%, but it's going to make me money. So I could provide for my family and make my parents proud, yada, yada, whatever, right? I had the opposite epiphany. I had the idea that, sure, being a psychiatrist might be awesome and I might be able to help people, but it's also emotionally straining. It would be emotionally straining, I can imagine, right? And at that time, I felt I probably wouldn't be a psychiatrist for free. Not unless I was already making money, you know, like maybe I might do some volunteer work. Like I'm not saying forever, but I'm just saying I probably wouldn't enjoy doing it for free. But then I also thought music who was, you know, music was there for me. It was my therapist a lot of times. And if I did music, I don't care how poor I was for the rest of my life. This is the one thing that I feel like I'm really good at that I want to help people and be their psychiatrist in a way that is scalable 
that I'd be willing to do for free, right? And I thought, why would I do something as selfish as to do something for money? Now, a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, you might be listening to this or you might know somebody, a lot of people like this, will say, I want to make money. Like making money, being rich is a big part of their goals, their life, and you know, sometimes a little bit too much. But most of the time, I don't believe money is evil. I don't believe money is the root of all evil. That's total BS. But for some reason, I've never had the desire to make money. I've always felt that it would come if I worked really hard and I proved it to people. And more importantly, if I gave people value first. Maybe it's the Japanese in me. And like the humble Japanese part of my culture and common sense, but it never felt right to do something for myself selfishly. And, and although music might be something that I really want to do, but I really felt like I was good at it and music blessed my life so much. Like, don't get me wrong, like a lot of music that I grew up listening to, the artists probably wanted the clout, you know, probably were self-centered in some way or another. Like you can't want to do something that other people think, like you can't do music and not have a tiny part of you do it because you might think other people will think you're cool. You know, like, that's obviously a part of it. But if they didn't do it, honestly, I don't know if I'd still be standing here today. Like, you can take that however you want it. Like, whether it's my career or whether, you know, like, my life. I don't know. But music has saved me multiple times. And I wanted to do that for everybody else. I had another experience. That, that went a little bit long. I apologize. I had another experience that when I went to Mix with the Masters last year in springtime, a little bit over a year ago with Leslie Brathwaite. I talked about that in my earlier episodes, and I still talk about it, reference back to that a lot. I had the wonderful opportunity to, as everybody in the group, you know, that was accepted and invited to go out to France, show one of my songs to Leslie. Now, I was one of the younger people there. A couple, uh, One or two people in the group has platinum records in their prospective country, respective country, and one guy, German dude, sells out stadiums on a regular basis. Like, I'm a college kid from Utah. I was at the time. I didn't feel like I deserved to be there. I was extremely insecure, mostly because I was hanging out with this dude, Leslie, who's got like dozens of Grammys and nominations, and I'm nobody. Like, I don't know why I got accepted. Yeah, probably because the portfolio was good enough, but like, why did I get accepted? I don't deserve to be here. And as I went to the table, or to the, the you know, the, uh, what is it, the Neve 88R desk at Studios La Fabrique in France, Leslie pulled up my song, or I pulled up my song, and Leslie started listening to it. And before he pre pressed play, I gave some excuses. I said, yo, like, this is a song that I wrote and stuff that I write and make on my own, produce on my own, doesn't sound as good as the stuff I mix for other people. So that's why I'm showing you this one because I want the most feedback on this compared to other people. And he pressed play and he listened to the entire song. He closed his eyes from beginning to end, just nodded his head, listening to the music, jamming to the beat, and then the song ended. And I wasn't really able to listen to my own mix at those speakers. I wasn't really listening. I wasn't listening to my own music because the blood was rushing to my ears. Like, I, like there was so much adrenaline going on because like, I just couldn't hear it right. I was too nervous. I felt like I didn't belong. Like, I was so scared. When he hits stop, he tells me, we're done. And basically says he has no feedback for me. Now, you would think that I'd be happy. But the first, I was so insecure that the first, the first emotion that I actually felt was anger. I was angry. One, was it so bad that you have pity on me? You know, like, do you, like, is it not fixable? Am I just the young kid? So you, you don't know how you could help me? What, what is going on? And then I look back at the rest of the 13, 14, 12, 13 people in the group. And they all are wide eyed, start nodding. 
and giving me the affirmation that, wow, like, you know, like they're impressed as well. And for the first time, I'm realizing that my insecurity is stupid, that I've spent all this time mixing music, making music, more than your average, well, how old was I last year? It's springtime, like 25, yeah. More than, yeah, lol. <laughs> more than the average 25-year-old, like I've already put in. By the, When I was 25, I already already put in over 10,000 hours just mixing because I had to to leave the studio open when I started the studio. And I just felt really dumb. I felt really humbled. I felt that moment changed my life. And the stupidest thing about this entire scenario, about this entire story, is that my friends, my clients, people in Utah, even my parents, uh, oddly enough, which they don't really, aren't a part of my career, they said, they've always said that I was good. And yet, the stupid part was that it took someone with dozens of Grammys to tell me that I'm good for me to actually believe it. Now, how stupid is that? Like I, last couple episodes, I talked about being an artist and about you stop being you stop being an artist the moment you start caring about what other people think. Yet here I am at that point in time, where I cared too much. I was very insecure. I was very unhealthy, and I realized that I should have believed the people that told me before. And so that's why I want to get into what I'm probably going to name the episode, which is why I want to win a Grammy. So my goal is I want to at least be nominated potentially even win a Grammy by 30. I got four more years, three and a half more years. And that's part of the reason why I moved to LA, why I'm trying so hard, as you could tell, making content and getting clients and whatever. But the biggest reason that it comes back to, sure, there's selfish parts of it. Yeah, I want the clout. Yeah, whatever. I want to be able to charge more money for my mixes. Yeah, sure, whatever. But the biggest thing for me has been I want to be a Leslie for someone. I want to be able to tell an artist that comes to my studio, comes to hang out with me, if they're feeling insecure, I could tell them, you're good. You should stop being insecure. You should stop overthinking it. And I want them to believe me. It's really stupid that the natural man wants to be affirmed, like, you know, like have those words of affirmation by someone that has the clout, that someone who's already done it already. It's really stupid. But at the same time, like, now I feel like it's my responsibility and part of my life mission to be that guy for other people. And I genuinely really believe that. I really want to be that guy. I want to win that Grammy and multiple Grammys and other awards and do awesome, amazing records so people will believe me. So that local kid with 16 monthly listeners on Spotify will believe me when I say, yo, keep going. Don't stop. It's good. And when I say this song changed my life, They'll know I me- meant it. I want to be that for somebody. And the way that it's translated here, this sounds really bad and it sounds really aggressive and apologize for my language here. But we have a saying here at the Cole House studio, at my studio. We do once a month open mics. I have my little label group thing of people. We always say it together out loud. I'm sorry for my language, but we always say, fuck your excuses. And the reason why we say, fuck your excuses, is because the only thing stopping me And the only thing stopping you from finishing those lyrics, from finishing that song to releasing music, anything, is our own insecurity. And it even goes down to why you're getting really competitive and overcharging people and like cheating people out on money and getting really competitive and talking trash on other engineers and producers, which is absolutely a no-no. You never should ever talk trash on an engineer, another competing engineer, right? But that's all stems 
from what I believe, is a personal sense of insecurity. Even rappers that think that they're the man, that they're the best in the world, nobody can beat them, yet they only have one song and it's only got like 16-month listeners, you know, that guy, um, no matter how good the song is, he's definitely insecure. And that's why he's making up for it. Or she, right, is making up for it. They're being defensive because they have insecurity themselves. And so we say fuck your excuses because all of that, I'm not good enough. Like, why do you have, why do people have writer's block? Why do songwriters have writer's block? Why do they not know what to say? It's not because they don't know what to say or that they can't fill in that line. It's because they, they think that whatever line they put in, it's not good enough, right? Fuck your excuses. Stop caring. Give. Stop competing. Be genuine. Be real. Love. And these are lessons that I'm still learning. And I've definitely learned a lot of them very hard, very quickly because of stupid mistakes that I made. And it took feeling angry at Leslie for complimenting me, for me to realize it. And I want this message. This is kind of my message to everybody. This is like my life message to everybody. Stop overthinking stuff. Fuck your excuses. Move on. Finish it. And write your next song. Go on to the next one. Release it. On to the next one. Anyway. I love my job now. I really, truly love my job as a mixing engineer because in my studio and in the music business, mixing engineers, like we are low-key psychiatrists. Artists come to us. Same with producers. Same, producers are the same thing. Artists come to us because, you know, they want their song to be better. Something about it is making them insecure. And then they leave the studio or leave the producing, you know, like finish the production feeling really good. What did we really give to our clients and to our artists? Sure, maybe different tones, different sounds, better improved sounds, or maybe if you're a producer, different arrangement, a better arrangement, better lyrics, whatever it is, right? But what we really gave to them was confidence, a belief in themselves, a belief to keep going, a belief to keep trying. And that is something that, to be honest, in the whole music creation process, that's one of our most vital parts. (laughs) Like that is one of the most vital roles of what we do. And I'm a psychiatrist now, like not, you know, like I'm not trying to claim anything. I don't have any like, you know, degrees or anything like that. But I mean, like in the music industry to my artists, I am their mental health support. How wonderful is it that the job that I wanted to do became the job that I am doing, but through the way that I wanted it done, because that's how it was done to me. Like it's, it's so incredible to me how just the things worked out and every single day, I'm so grateful to do what I do. And I'm so grateful that I can tell you about this because honestly, this message is so important for everybody, not just engineers and artists, but like in life, pursue what you want, right? It's not embarrassing to have a second job to support your music career. It's not embarrassing at all. It's very, it's actually quite respectful. Like I, I really think that that's dope. Like you're hustling, believe in yourself, fuck your excuses, happy mixing and stay saucy, my friends. One, two, three. If you'd like to take advantage of my free guides and online videos, please check out links.dkmixes.com. That's links.dekeimixes.com. There are so many amazing free plugins available for download right now to help you with your production and mixing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash plugins to download and get access to a bunch of free and premium plugins on Plugin Boutique. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show.